podcast. This week we are discussing the feature film debut by Boots Riley, Sorry to Bother You. He is a rapper slash musician. I've been listening to some interviews with him recently. After seeing this movie, it just I wanted to ingest his brain uh, more. He went to film school and then left to become pursue his music career because, as he says, they were paying him. And he directed a couple, co-directed a video or two for the his band, The Coup. And he's been trying to get this made for a number of years now. And I'm glad he finally did. Uh, just to jump into quick opinions, because I think we should get the spoilers as soon as possible on this movie. And you should probably, the least you know about this movie, the better or worse, <laughs> someone might say uh, here uh, with this one. But um, yeah, this was easily one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. It's hovering, hovering around my solid, my, I have a firm top three movies where I would give it an A+. And I was writing that this movie might have got to that level for me. Up until some minor nitpicks near the end of the movie. Um, But we can discuss that in spoilers. But I would implore everybody to go watch this movie. Um, It has a great cast, inspired direction, endless creativity, and it's just fucking weird in the best way possible, too. Um, But, yeah. Ben, what do you think? Um, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, It's just so weird why'd you only give uh, it four stars on letterboxd i thought i gave it four I and thought a half. both of you gave it four and a half okay he might wait what's letterboxd i'm, I'm gonna fucking murder you <laughs> ben go continue um i'm a big fan of like really weird stuff like if you could look back at my favorite movies of last year we had like colossal uh dave uh dave's mate Dave's Maze. Loved it so much. Dave don't Maze. know the so, name of it. <laughs> well, it was a really interesting movie. Guy gets lost in a cardboard maze, but I, I just, I really like these, just unique and uh, visually distinctive movies. And I think, uh, sorry to bother you, definitely fits into that. It's just so odd. Um, it's hilarious. The writing is fantastic. Tessa Thompson has probably my favorite line in any movie this year. It just, uh, it, it definitely makes some weird twists and turns throughout. Uh, some of which I felt could have been handled better, but overall this movie is incredible. Uh, go see it if you haven't seen it yet. We need to discuss that, your tonal shifts complaint. I completely disagree with you, but we'll let other people chime in first. Uh, Lauren, go. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate it because I'm going to be the jerk who didn't love this movie. That's okay. It's all right to not like everything. Not according to Annihilation. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do appreciate what it did. I thought it was a really interesting movie that, you know, it was, first of all, I'm the one who didn't know what this movie was about. And I didn't watch the trailer because you told me not to. So before the movie, there were a bunch of, there were a couple trailers about like oppression and prejudice and, police brutality and then there are a couple of tiffany haddish trailers so i was like okay so maybe it's a blend of those types of things like comedy <laughs> but serious comedy and then and then the meg had a trailer it's like oh say okay so serious comedy about 
uh, social injustice and then monsters, which, you know, kind of accurate. But uh, <laughs> so it's like I kind of had an idea, I guess, maybe, but not really. I had no idea what I was coming to see. So I was definitely appreciative of how interesting the storytelling was in the visuals. But at the same time, it's like it's just stuff that we see on the news every day. And it's super like I'm here to be entertained. And my movie was like, uh, or my mind was like, oh, I appreciate all this stuff. Ooh, the symbolism. I don't think I'm getting all the symbolism, but I think I see that. But also it's like, abort, abort. I should be skyscraper because I'm not smart enough for this. So, yeah. You're smart enough. For no, this. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty simple I, I, that in two things. The, the When we encourage you not to watch the trailer, I had barely seen the trailer. All I knew the movie really was, was it seemed in visually inventive telemarketer movie where the guy had a white voice that's really all i knew about this movie going in i i was the the social angle of it i wasn't aware of at all and uh, oh see that that was was, the one thing i assumed this movie was gonna be about oh yeah that was what really made me love this movie i mean he just straight i mean the movie is anti-capitalist the most anti-capitalist movie i've seen in years and uh i i really love that he fucking he went for it. Uh, yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but we can talk about that. Let's get to um, John's spoiler-free thoughts and then get into talking about this movie full bore. Um, I thought it was interesting, Zach, that you uh, you said the phrase when talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, finding out more about Boots Riley, that you want to ingest his brain because um, I think the biggest comparison I could make this – I could draw this movie to and a fitting comparison and a, a wonderful comparison would be get out. Um, and I, I, I know I read that somewhere else, but it definitely feels like it in the sense of like Lauren was saying, there's a whole lot of social commentary in this film, but then there's a lot of wackiness and there's a lot of comedy and there's like the way the film handles that is always like bringing up a serious topic, but then showing some sort of comedic image or something. I mean, the, kind the, of like the film is absurdist at all times. Absurdist. That's the, yeah, that's, that's the, that's a great, which uh, allows the tragedy and the comedy of everything. Yeah. To it's work like half the time, the, the time. audience that I was with laughed a lot more than I did. Cause half the time I was like, I don't know if I should be laughing about this. Cause what it actually <laughs> means is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, like I wasn't per, I wasn't prepared for the turn in Get Out, and I wasn't prepared for the turn in this one either. Nobody yeah, was prepared for the turn in this one. Yeah. Except for, like, when I was reading your guys' messages, I was just like, oh, I'm really excited, because the trailer doesn't, like you said, Zach, shows barely nothing except it's kind of, it's probably got some social and racial themes and uh, is about a dude who's a telemarketer. It's a very, um, very good trailer, I would say. Yeah. Um, so you're not, you're not prepared for the ending, um, and the climax, I guess you should say. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's very important. I think the way he was able to balance, and I just said this in my tweet, um, a bunch of different images and a bunch of different feelings and emotions and thoughts on that comprehensively relate to his main thesis I think it was really powerful. And there were, there were little things I just picked up on where it was just like, oh, that's, that's really smart what he's saying there, even though 
in the grand scheme of the movie, it seems like it's just a small thing, but it kind of ties back to the thesis. So it's just the writing is incredible. I think towards the end, the end could have felt a little bit more triumphant. Um, I don't think that one, I don't think it's supposed to be triumphant. But two, yeah. I think the ending is the the, well, the, not the, the weakest. Not the, not, the, not the very, very ending, but I guess I, I guess the yeah, resolution. No, I, I agree. That's what I was going to say. I think, I think the movie doesn't really have – the ending is the weakest part of the movie for me. And I, I would think, agree. I yeah. think it's, shabby, it's the shabbiest part of his filmmaking as well. That, that like, but like I said, like that, that one little nitpick is what takes the movie down a notch from being a full-born – a plus for me. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about yeah. that. Still <laughs> highly recommended and a definite like spiritual successor to get yeah, out. I feel like this might be a movie that I'd have to see a second time just because there's yeah. so much involved in it that it was kind of overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. No, I totally, I totally feel it there. I, I can't, I think it's a movie and listening to him talk on a couple of podcasts, he definitely was layering. He wants people, he's hoping his movie is something that people want to watch again and, peel back the, the layers that he threw out there so lauren would you recommend the movie to people oh yeah i would i mean yeah. maybe not my parents and people yeah. of their ilk but no amy know. was like i don't think i could tell somebody to go see this movie because then i would worry about what they think about me <laughs> that's what i was thinking <laughs> i was like just tell them it's weird and to be ready for anything and yeah. i mean yeah like, okay. I mean, maybe uh, I wouldn't recommend it to the racists. I'm not saying my parents are racist. Those are two different yeah. things. But <laughs> oh no, oh no. Yeah, but everyone else, yes. I got a text from one of my coworkers yesterday, and he's like, "Yo, dude, have you heard about this? Uh, sorry to bother you. Is that worth seeing?" And I told him I was going to text you about it, but it's super weird. It's good, but it's super weird. So I, I did exactly what you're saying, and it um. Hopefully he enjoys it too. He's a fan of pretty interesting, unique films as well. Um, so everyone says go see it, and we're ranging on caught off guard by it to thought it was really great. But I think, I mean, based on what Lauren was saying, who seems the coldest on the movie of the four of us, she it really got her thinking, and that's exactly what I think the movie intends. Is he literally throws everything at it? Uh-huh. the screen and it actually works here it doesn't feel like they're throwing out a bunch of ideas because they can't focus things yeah everything it, definitely felt intentional yeah it um yes completely completely okay so go see it and then come back and listen to spoilers so spoilers sure spoilers 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 Spoilers. So, Equine Sapiens, guys. What the actual <laughs> hell happened? Yeah, that happened. I was just like, did I? Did someone slip something into my drink? <laughs> no, I I said what the fuck out loud. Like, I, uh, yeah, it, it, and it was great. Like, I think that I think that totally works in the movie that he's making, the absurdist reality that he's put forward. I mean, he plants the seeds for this this level of capitalist insanity with the brilliant war is it worry free is that the name of the company yeah, the, yeah. that you know is it's they, they converted jail cells it looks like to be the barracks for these people and they're sharing bunks they don't even get their own bed uh 
I mean, he lays the groundwork that you don't have to think too hard that this is where a truly un an unchecked capitalist society might would maybe take us to. Obviously, we're probably so, not. But also, it, go ahead. Do we think that commentary was a general commentary on? the structure of capitalism because throughout that I was just like I wonder if there's like a real uh, granted he actually he wrote this like what six years ago so I guess any specific allusions are kind of a construct but like when I was watching it I started thinking about okay manufacturing or assembling kind of company that um treats its workers really poorly but has a good PR and has a good public opinion I, I started to think about like like this is reminding me of Amazon. I was just gonna say that. Um, I would say when like, you wrote this, it was more Apple-y. Fair enough. Um, well, it, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the movie. I don't know. What, I guess the movie was probably shot last year, but I mean, the last year and a half has. I mean, it'd be it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you can't delay this movie to see how, what we think of the next capitalist step we've taken, because. Um, but the last two years, it would be crazy to see what kind of influence it would have had on this film. But it still feels totally prescient today, w- without a doubt, to me. Do you have anything else to say, John? Kind of. Reading off no, no, that was just my only question comment. Yeah, because I was like, yes, as absurd as these horse people are, I mean, the the movie, like, it it, it it's almost quick in passing, but it basically in this alternate reality, like the government sanctions slavery again in this movie. Like there's a newspaper. I don't think they made that big a deal about it, but there's like a newspaper thing that said worry free gets avoids slavery charges by the government. Was that which the one basic- that they put down on the table? Cause I didn't get to read it all the way. So. Yeah. It was really quick. Um, it, you, you might be, it might be that one, but then I, that's where the logical conclusion is. Well, what, what else can we do with, to to make even more money or whatever and army hammer is fucking incredible as i mean he is so straight the whole time like oh 100 percent. and that he doesn't feel absurd you totally believe he believes everything (laughs) and i feel like that also at like he has a line in it which is um incredibly poignant and i will say i felt like for the most part, this this movie wasn't necessarily as, like, not necessarily a critique of capitalism as, like, a theory, necessary, but as, like, an institution and how it's being in, enacted in modern Western society. Um, and, and I saw it more as, necessi- as, like, a pro-union movie, almost, as opposed to, like, a, an anti-capitalist. Although I do, I do see a lot of those... Uh, I disagree. Those or those I think I mean Fair unions enough. are a piece well, of the capitalist puzzle here, but I mean this. I I, I would say that that the the final act is very much in the camp of talking about the the anti-capitalist well, ideas. The the and the one thing I will say that uh, goes along with that, which I thought was brilliantly portrayed and very effectively and efficiently portrayed, was Army Hammer has a line. What's his? Was it Steve Lift or something like that? Um, is that his character's name? Uh, I believe it was. Yes, yeah, Steve Lift. So, uh, what was his? Like, he was just like he was talking to Cassius, played by uh, Lakeith Stanfield. I forget his last name. Stan Stanfield, and he's saying, 
I'm not evil. I'm I'm this is completely rational. Like the, I'm I'm not being irrational. Like that's his justification. And I loved that line because it kind of takes that um, inherent piece in like an Ayn Randian like objectivist like philosophy, which like extends itself economically into capitalism. Like it takes that all that way and it connects the dots between the you two. You need to say Cassius' yeah, like, real or full name. Cass it's Cassius, Cassius Green. Cassius Green. Cassius Green. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the the, uh, the other part that I I mean that his little pitch to Cash about him becoming the leader the insider to the equine sapien society uh, for five years and then they'll give him the that, that was one of the best lines the I don't even know what he said but like the drug reversal special thing that was fantastic. yeah I mean <laughs> like I is this with a point in the movie where you were doubting your laughter Lauren. No, it was pretty much through a lot of the, the whole movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was cracking up at everything. Like I totally acknowledge like how scary and like true some people think this way. Like how can we exploit the system? Like disruptors, yeah. like the, when he was talking about, they create their, we're going to create a new society. Like that's the kind of bullshit that people put sprinkle on their ideas that are actually awful to think they're actually making things better and yeah yeah um and then they even he even drops in like <clears throat> the racial aspect too like uh he, like army hammer thinks you know like oh you'll you know the big dick thing you can play that the horse cock stuff you can play that into racial commentary <laughs> as well i mean there's just so much going on in this movie um that is that is is also is so absurd it's hilarious but like i said that's it's perfectly played that it's just like lauren if you're coming at it from you tilt your head the other way and you're just like holy fuck this is terrifying um yeah i think i think that's what happened to me it's like because um at first when uh john had told us last week like there was it reminded some people of get out and i was um i was kind of like what i I don't know what John's talking about. It's like, sure, it's got the, the political themes and messages. It's got, you know, really witty writing. Uh, it's funny. But then once the Equisapien just showed up, like, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Holy shit, this is weird. I'm not sure how to feel about this. And it just, it took me, I think that was my big thing, where it came out of nowhere, which... I mean, I, I get that's the point, but I think it took me a little bit longer to acclimate to that. Like, to okay, this is where we're going with it now. A totally fair reaction to that part of the movie. Um, See, and that's that's the only, like, again, if I go back and rewatch it, I might make it five stars, because now I'm at least kind of ready for that. I don't know. Yeah, see, I got to that part, and I was just like, they kind of look like lichens. Man, I want to watch Underworld. <laughs> um the production i i was intrigued i heard the production designer on this movie was the guy who did uh swiss army man and i was like oh that reads (laughs) uh here i mean i it felt different than swiss army man but just that guy whoever that guy is um i don't have his name in front of me uh the creativity that guy has i'm i'm gonna love every movie that guy works on and he needs to be working on more stuff. I don't know what his other credits might be, but um, yeah, I I can totally feel that vibe in this movie. Um, 
I want to talk about that. We all seem to have a little bit of an issue with the ending of the movie. Um, it just, the filmmaking felt a little flat to me for the first time of the whole movie. Uh, yeah. Even uh, like yeah, the last reveal of uh, Cash finally turning into mm-hmm. an act, like the pace, the, the, sh- the editing and the, the cuts like didn't feel as yeah. the gravity of the situation. Well, first of all, I thought he just slammed the garage into his face at first. Yes, I, I <laughs> yeah. agree. But they, he, he kept, there was only like two angles on the whole, or maybe it was only even one angle, kind of from Tessa Thompson's POV. And it didn't really, like, I there's a shelf right where his face is that I think you're supposed to think yeah, for I a second. He bumps were... his head. But, I mean, obviously, as soon as he starts freaking out, I was like, yeah. oh, he's. Yeah, it's oh, it's finally, but it did. Yeah, something about that didn't hit in this. I just, I think it was also like one of those. I, I appreciated where it was going with that, but I just, I, I think it, it was kind of like, so how like it, it takes that long for whatever this powder is to work, and it just it felt like too too you know perfect of the moment to drop this thing but i mean that's like, it didn't that's, feel that's just good filmmaking i didn't have any problem with the delayed gratification of that i i i all of my quibbles are coming from and that's totally i i totally see where you're coming from but my quibbles were all with just like the tenor of the pacing and the filmmaking like the big final scene just didn't feel like i appreciated like it's the the viewpoint he does uh from the uh the of cash in the back of the, Ar- the, the armored, armored car, car. Like but then again, yeah. it just felt slow and a little bit like I like I said, it just felt like the pacing was a little bit off, and as did the the final standoff between the protesters and the the sense of space just wasn't there for me. And again, a minor quibble, and it was definitely the biggest thing Riley was trying to do in the movie. On a, a movie that is not a very big budget either, either. and I, I think it's just something that might come with a little more practice as a filmmaker. But again, a super minor quibble at the very end of the movie for me. Uh, did anybody else have anything else that didn't work for them, or were the, you guys able to roll with the movie throughout mostly, even if it was like, like Lauren said, she didn't know how to feel half the time? Yeah, I feel like I. rolled with stuff the only thing i kind of wish they had done which it's not a complaint it's just like i wonder why they didn't when uh lakeith stanfield would like drop into the homes of the people he was calling Mm -hmm. which was hilarious i kind of wondered why they chose not to actually use the white actors who were doing the voices just because that would further the idea of how comfortable the people would be with the white person in their home versus the black person that would have been interesting um that's a that's a cool thought uh I loved when they, he was using the white voice when he woke up in the next morning. He's like, yeah. oh, I, I didn't, like, that was a great little touch. And I didn't realize uh, when in Tessa Thompson's scene where she, it's at her art show, she was doing mm-hmm. a white voice. I didn't realize it was Lily James's voice. I thought yeah. she was just doing yeah. an accent. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, that? I was, yeah, I was curious too. I was like, is Tessa just changing her voice here or is I, did they bring someone in? I couldn't in tell. I knew it wasn't her, I just couldn't tell who it was. Now, the one I got about halfway through his entire time in the movie was um, Mr. Bleep. It was Patton Oswalt. I was like halfway through, Patton Oswalt, that's it. Damn, got it. 
What's up with them bleeping out that guy's <laughs> Yeah, that was like, I was just asking about Tessa Thompson. What did you think about her accent? And that's another thing. What do you think? Like, why were they bleeping out his name? I don't know. It was just a weird. Tr- Some other movie did that where they bleep something out. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that was because she was cursing. But uh, there, there was it was a similar thing. I can't I wish I could remember. But Kill I, Bill. I love the Tessa. I guess. Yeah, that might be it, actually. But good call. Yeah. Uh, one thing I loved about that scene with Tessa Thompson when she's doing her art uh, show is I love the idea that in order, kind of the way the system has been built up so much, um, in order for her to get across this very um, anti-establishment, anti-capitalist, and subversive message. In order for that to be palatable, in order for people to receive that, she's got to put on this front of this voice mm-hmm. in order to sell that message and communicate that message to this bougie crowd. And it, it didn't necessarily take away from her having to do that. I saw that as more like uh, Boots' commentary on the fact like, that, I mean, this is kind of sad that she has to do this in order to get this yeah. message across, she can't just use her voice. I wish it was just another like little thing about the movie that I pre- like I enhanced it. I, I wish guess I'll she say. just. What were you saying, I was just say, I wish she had just used the voice during her performance, though, because she was also using it when she was talking to other people in the crowd. Well, she was using yeah. it. I, I think she was talking to rich white people who well, would yeah, buy her she art was, potentially. But like, I thought it was interesting I like that. It, I don't know. Just presentationally, it would have been more. I don't know. See, I'm just like, I'm reading too much into things now. It's like, I feel like it would have been more about that, like that symbolism had it just been part of the presentation. Like, cause when she's doing it in the crowd, it kind of just made her seem hypocritical verse. No, I think like, that was the, knowing. I think that was the intent. I think, I, I think that's what he wants you to like. And okay, I think well, you're both case, right. Good job. <laughs> well, well, no, I think you're both a little, you're kind of right. Definitely on John's front too with, cause, uh, the, one of the interviews I listened to, he was straight up asked about this. He's like, he he doesn't feel like you have to operate outside the system. Mm-hmm. He's like, otherwise you're not going to change anything. Yeah. You have to deal the cards that are dealt to you. Um, but I think in the movie, I took it as what you were saying, Lauren. Um, I, I'm more on your side where it, it just came across as hypocritical that she's doing this and that she thinks it's okay for her to do it in her arena, but, you know, um, yeah. Cash doing it and is is bad. But, uh, granted, Cash is selling slavery. Yeah. You know, it is two different levels. Cash is worse. Um, but I, but I, I do think there's still that remorse in it, though, right? Like, there's still that kind of, like... She's, like she's said, more conscious of what she's you. doing. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. Um... What is it? I just I just realized that speaking of like voices and actors, the voice of Demarius, uh, that first Equisapien that we talked to, yeah. that's like, dude, I'm from East <laughs> Oakland. Um, that was Forrest I know, Whitaker. I didn't, I didn't know that till five minutes ago when I was. I recognized I recognized it, but I couldn't that's pick it out. Yeah. Awesome! I did not know that. Um, I love that they just never put on pants too. Like, <laughs> even at the end of the movie when he's leading them in. Um, and They're all did, still totally naked. Yeah, did they? Um, oh, what I was going to say. I also thought it was interesting. I'm pretty sure Lift, Army Hammer's character, had a piece of Tessa Thompson's art hanging up in his house 
too. Oh, I didn't notice that, but I bet he did. And I wouldn't be surprised awesome. anyway. Like one of not her piece, not like her Africa piece, like her graffiti. Um, it was oh. one of the signs she vandalized. Uh, yeah, just there's so many little touches. And they also, I love that they talked about, again, another, it like passed in like two seconds. The, they were, someone was protesting how the Equisapiens were all white, <laughs> even though they were black people that were like that, that was another just great little wrinkle that's on the, cause he's clearly a white Equisapien at the end of the movie. Uh, I mean, there is some pigment to his coloring, but. Like, he's definitely not Lakeith Stanfield's skin color anymore at the end of the movie. And that's just another interesting ripple that is laid throughout this movie. Uh, I, I just, just talking about it makes me want to watch the movie again. Um, uh, did, we, did we talk about uh, also kind of the juxtaposition or the, um, the contrasting with in order for Lakeith to his or Cash's to succeed in his business endeavors he has to adopt this yeah. kind of white voice or whatever but when he's trying to entertain or when oh yeah that, steve that character demands that uh, when he raps. uh he, <laughs> yeah it went that he entertains all all of the uh his various party guests mm-hmm. um well, yeah, oh my god you know when, steve just, lift is so, cool he knows black people <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just it's so uncomfortable oh. that you 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 have that internalized nervous chuckle and then you start to like under you start to get it which i thought was i no, don't know the lyric choice of the song which <laughs> cannot utter on this podcast yeah is perfect like, that was one of the moments where people were laughing and i felt really uncomfortable no i think it was hilarious but I, you're right it is extremely uncomfortable it's and boots riley fills that room with all white people mm-hmm. saying what they're saying and that's all they care about is like like the commentary that these people just want to take black culture and just so they can just say this shit and it, it was that was one of the best scenes of the movie and um and that's completely separated from well it's not completely separated from the capitalistic aspect of white people stealing black culture there's plenty to digest there as well but it's ugh, that was a great scene and well and it's and it is so powerful to see like the kind of quick or you don't really it doesn't focus on him but like the glances that you catch of mr bleep he is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. as opposed to his normal swagger so and i, yeah, thought, I really uh, like that they gave him an eye patch because so much of this movie is him turning a blind eye to things oh yeah i didn't even think about that i was curious Ooh, I was like, that was one of the moments an... where i felt really deep and then i went back to being <laughs> like but now i need to go watch skyscraper <laughs> um the army hammer's reaction to in that scene he doesn't start singing along does he um no he's oh, just no, smiling he doesn't. yeah um Mr. i think Bleep, i think that's not. an interesting you know this guy at the top of the capitalist heap He's not embracing it, but he knows the power he's getting, you know, it's like, it's just very cutting that you can have, and it totally makes sense for him too, as this guy who thinks by creating this equine sapien race, he's creating a new system, you know, like it totally fits that he under he can, he kind of understands the exploitation, but doesn't embrace it. I don't know. There's just a lot going on there. That's really mm-hmm. well done. Um, I, I thought the joke, I want to talk about a couple of things that cracked me up. Like when he went 
when he missed the jade door for the olive door, like that was fantastic. That's um, too close to home with my colorblind eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the laugh, the the hardest <coughs> I've laughed in a movie theater was in this movie when they were entering the code on the elevator. That yeah. every <laughs> single cut, I started laughing. I had to cover. Amy was giving me devil eyes because I was the only one laughing. I was laughing so hard and so loud. I had to cover my mouth with my jacket and muffle my laughs because every single <laughs> cut I was like they're still doing it no it's got to be over I don't know for whatever reason I was dying in that scene um, she, she, think... she kept at one point she kept going back and forth between like two and eight and she just looks at Cash <laughs> yeah. and is like oh, so much security right or something like that was just like, oh, and then god. it goes like five more beats after that it, oh my god it was so good Diana um, Debo <laughs> it looks like debauchery it's not yeah <laughs> yeah, some of the names in this movie are weird. Like that yeah. one and Steven, I don't know. How do you pronounce his last name? Steven Yoon? Yoon? Yoon, yeah. Uh, Yoon. His name is Squeeze? What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I absolutely loved uh, the dialogue just throughout this movie, too. Like two two of the big lines are uh, when, when Tessa calls him out and he just starts kind of backing out and she says you're sidestepping more than the temptations yeah that was a great one (laughs) was phenomenal like i could not stop laughing uh and then the other one is when him uh cassius and his friend are just arguing (laughs) oh yeah that was great but it's like being civil it's like i hope your day is great i hope your week is amazing (laughs) i hope your month see there's so much stuff in this movie i completely forgot about like all of these things but now that you're reminding me it's like oh yeah (laughs) it's so good (laughs) <laughs> uh, I also appreciated my parents called me Detroit because they wanted to give me the most American name possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so much to digest in this movie, like Lauren says. I mean, I, 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 it's it's definitely going to be one of the movies I rewatched the most out of this. I mean, out of my favorite movies of this year, it's probably Isle of Dogs, which is sitting in my uh, mailbox right now, I think. And Ooh. this will probably be the movie I at, at this point that I'll probably rewatch the most coming out of this year. I imagine, um, yeah. Just, I mean, we could go and I I want to rewatch it. Like Lauren said, I, there's probably little bits that I, like the part Ben just brought up like was killing me, and again, just brilliant dragging like perfect timing on that scene. They kept it if they dragged it out, but they to the perfect element, just like the security button scene for me um yeah (laughs) just a lot going on here i also really liked the the scene at the end when it's kind it ramps up to that uh kind of resolution where he tries to like get the person at the paper to like pick up the story and then finally in order to do it he has to go on the show called oh yeah uh, what do we make about that show (laughs) Um, and like, like it was, it was to the point where it was just like, okay, this is like, if no one can pick up on like the blatant allegory that this is, um, for all the struggle and turmoil he has to go to, to get his, uh, message out. Um, but then when he does finally get his message out and he's going on talk show and talk show and talk show, and somehow it's kind of. It's had the opposite of not kind of it. It has the a complete opposite effect. That yeah. He... No. Yeah. 
and he and he's on. It was like late talk with the Jimmy. Yeah, that, oh, like, that was that, a great that bit. Is, that, was, that was awesome. It's just like, oh, which Jimmys he talking? Oh, all of the Jimmys. Um, and he was just like, you got to call your congressman. And he meets up with Sal and Squeeze later in that like I, I guess I don't know that restaurant. And he talks about how frustrated he is by the fact that no one's getting it. And uh, Squeeze has the line, Steven Yuen has the line, something like that, where um, you just normalize the problem to, to like make it okay or something like that. You, you get used to the problem and yeah. then it becomes mm-hmm. okay or something like that. And it was just another huge commentary on our society. I mean, that, now. yes, and that, is, that is, is our society right now. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we worry about something for a week and then it's like, oh, yeah, uh, no, We're, we've moved on. Um, well, I don't know necessarily. We have not maybe moved on as a society, but we've moved on as a media and what we talk about. And that is detrimental to actual change happening. And this movie has its finger right on that pulse. And I would say from when he wrote this slash made this movie, it's only gotten exponentially worse. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I, the one, I guess the one criticism I will have of that, and I didn't even think of this until now, is they had the comment that, like, yeah, writing your congressman isn't going to do anything. And I guess I agree with that, but it was almost like this, this condemnation of any sort of political action that involves uh, getting involved in our systems of government. Like, it seemed like he preferred a more kind of protest and subversive a plan of but they gave up. Well, I guess they didn't give up on the protest. They were still protesting in the last scene. But um. yeah, and whereas I think like maybe maybe you need both. Cause, like when you think about um, our society now, you think about yeah, is the blue wave really a thing, or is it just a bunch of people making noise? Well, if you think back to like 2014 or whatever, when we had those midterm elections, we all thought the Tea Party was just a bunch of noise, and we thought it was just a nuts group of like people or subculture within American society that was just like complaining about things not being the way they wanted. And then like politicians latched onto that message and got like Republican establishment congressmen got replaced by tea party candidates. And so I think, well, if that happened like four years ago, why can't, why can't we not, or why is it infeasible to see that the same thing could happen, uh, in the 2018 midterm election, I mean, I mean the movie is a totally embracing. You got to get out and do something. You can't, you yeah. can't sit on the sidelines. And, um, I mean, we're not going to see. I mean, that scene hits it right in the head. We're not going to see ultimate change unless the the voices never stop and that we don't actually do something about it in whatever way we can. It, how big or small that is, I think you people would argue you have to go bigger than smaller but um yeah well i i think the i think one thing that i thought was very powerful was at the end um the biggest action that um cash thought he could do was in solidarity of his friends and his coworkers and his peers uh reject that part of the capitalist society that really benefits off oppression and um, uh, profiting off a of conflict and say, I'm just going to go back to some encyclopedias with, uh, with my friends and coworkers and stand for 
equal benefits and that kind of thing, which I guess it made it seem like they had gotten by the end. So like by actively like deciding not to participate in that part of culture or society with his means for, uh, economic growth or whatever i thought i that did was really find it weird too. that he went back to that lifestyle job, change yeah it was a little weird it was a little yeah but well in terms because you would think that because the message isn't necessarily like against against people having jobs to earn income right like no uh regal view regal view was evil in the sense that it supported um really oppressive institutions whether it was selling arms or just the thing like a uh, worry-free where it was essentially slave labor. But like at the very bottom level, the biggest issue is just like une- like unfair compensation for its workers, right? And so like once that issue was solved, then that means of economic growth, personal economic growth isn't morally uh, or immoral, I should say. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's still propping up the higher tiers of evilness because it's yeah. still part of the same company no that's that's fair yeah i mean that's that's definitely a catch-22 i think boots wants you to think about yeah. um um did we give praise uh, the whole cast is fantastic in this movie um i we, we didn't i think we've touched base on it but i think stanfield really does give an amazing performance he does so much here um and uh, but the the what's the friend not is what's the Jermaine is, Fowler Amari Hardwick he, you, which one are we two, talking about no no yeah people. Jermaine Fowler yeah no the it's, Jermaine Fowler. Jermaine, Fowler. it's Fowler. Jermaine Fowler okay he yeah. was great I I don't I don't have I have what I've seen him in anything else um uh, uh Superior Donuts <laughs> I don't know Superior Donuts so I guess I have not also I wanted to give or I wanted to discuss the Johnny who was the hype man mm-hmm. for the telemarketing was he a white supremacist <laughs> he had like I, some I wish tattoos I, I could never that get were... a good look at the one behind his like ear at one point i was like i think he might have a mocking j tattoo oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it almost yeah it almost looked like a it was a circle or something symbol. In it. i, I don't know yeah yeah i didn't know if it was anarchist or like white supremacy or I mean, he was really getting along with his coworkers. I, I, I would think they would have thrown in another wrinkle if he was a white supremacist. But if he was like, he was clearly ex-radical something, and I was it was just interesting to have this guy as this. I don't know. I I felt like there was something there, something to look at the next time I watch the movie. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, if if anything, it's maybe a commentary that this guy who similar seemingly came from a very radical or subversive culture is now working an office job with a shirt and tie and button up a similar note was when the uh the uh shoot the protester who threw the can oh that was a great side (laughs) i mean that was a brilliant little subplot that came off of that whole thing and then at the end of that scene too that we were just discussing where he he kind of rekindles his friendship with those guys all those little kids are walking by with the, the, the do-it-yourself. Um, what was the slogan? Co- bit, it's like, bitch, get your Coke uh, or something. <laughs> I don't remember. Some, yeah, something and like that. And it was that. great. It was have a cola and smile, bitch. Have a cola and smile, bitch. What a great line. Okay. 
So, unless anybody has anything else to say, we're going to wrap things up. Okay. Um, go see Sorry to Bother You. Um, love it or hate it. It will be an experience that you will not forget anytime soon, I imagine. Um, and it's really a great indie film that is inventive, and I wish we had more movies with this much, this much imagination in it. Um, next week, we are flashing back to 2008, where everybody is regretting rewatching this movie. Um... And that is the Wachowskis criminally underrated Speed Racer. If you haven't figured out, we'll, I picked we'll this see. movie as our flashback. I've actually never and, seen it, so... Oh, great. Maybe John will come to my side. Um, I, I feel like people are going to turn around on this, but I think we're going to have a lot to discuss about it. The only thing that will not be I will not allow you to challenge me on is that the score by Michael Giacano is fucking incredible. Um, but Speed Racer, that's our movie for next week. And until then, you can find me at Zach Goldenberg, wherever you can find at Zach Goldenberg. And you can find us maybe writing things. We're in a bit of a dry spell um, at middleofrow.com. But we need, we'll, we'll try to put some more stuff up there before you uh, listen to our Speed Racer podcast. I'm Ben Graceby. You can follow me on Twitter at, at TheGracebyBear. Or you can follow all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Road. John. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Jonathan Robbins. You, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at a, another uh, another Rahul J. Um, be sure to also follow us on Twitter where you'll get updates when we post written content, like reviews, or uh, podcast episodes. Middle of Row. Hashtag Nova. And I'm Lauren Timebaugh. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees. And you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Go watch Speed Racer. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the road. Hey! 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 Hey!